Welcome to episode 23 of The Locker Room, everybody. I wanted to change it up a little bit, spice it up a little bit, and uh, put to rest the what is good, my Jews. I can't listen to myself say it anymore. It makes me cringe. But I hope everyone had a great weekend. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus. We have an awesome episode today interviewing Sammy Elias and Justin Rock, two pretty big baseball minds. Sammy works for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and, and Justin is currently the broadcaster for the Daytona Tortugas, which is a minor league team in the Cincinnati Reds organization. But before we get into that a little bit more, I do want to introduce my co-host, Justin Kaplmaster. Cappy, how was your weekend? What's going on? What is good, my Jews? I'm just messing with you, Johnny, but my weekend was good. Um, everything's great. Excited to bring you guys this episode with Sammy and Justin. A little baseball content for you. Obviously, I'm not a big baseball mind, but uh, I was I was happy to hear about their experiences and everything like that. And I know Max was happy to get his cousin on as well. Speaking of Maxie, what's going on, Max? What's up, guys? Relaxing weekend like you guys. We got Sammy and Justin, which is going to be a great one. Sammy's my cousin little background on Sammy, unbelievable shuffleboard player, even better, uh, even better free throw shooter. We, uh, it, it runs in the family. Uh, we always win the free throw contest down in, uh, down in Huntington Point in Delray Beach. So that's, that's the thing that the hey, well, family don't, don't give the viewers too much. No, that's, that, that's all I'm giving. That's all I'm giving you guys. <laughs> I know a topic I want to bring up because we got the baseball boys on. And there's so many iconic baseball movies. I mean, I've seen some ones that are like 1960s. I'm sure Maxie's top three is going to be a couple oldies. Um, I got an oldie in my top three. But speaking of that, we're going to give you guys our top three baseball movies. I know it's hard to squeeze it into it, three movies, but we'll give it our best shot. We'll start off with the baseball locker room guru. Max, what do you got for us? My top three in no exact order, uh, Moneyball, Major League, and Basketball. Oh, I was. Wow, I was going I didn't have basketball. I didn't even. Think I was gonna it. say basketball, but I didn't know if it counted. I was gonna use basketball too. I feel. Wow. I feel like. I feel like it's definitely like. Um, yeah, you could like, count it. There's a gray area it. with it, but I think we count it. No, I definitely should count. Speak, I, I agree. St- Speaking of gray, a nice gray lock shirt. Uh, thank you. Where's yours, Johnny? I thought. Um, I thought Equinonk was unbelievable. It's the best camp ever. Where's yours? Well, I got. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't wear camp shirts anymore. I'm 24 years old. <laughs> um, going back to going back to your picks, um, I can't argue with any of them. Um, I was gonna put Moneyball in mind to be honest with you, but I was like, ah, it's like new school, but it's such a good movie. I'm I'll, I'd put Moneyball in like my what's the word for it? Like your runner-ups, your runner-up. Yeah, alternate or whatever. Alternate, yeah, yeah. But uh, Laz, what do you got for us? I'm I'm not gonna say mine yet. No, none of mine actually are the same as Max's. I mean, I was gonna do basketball, but I'll adjust. My favorite, like my favorite movie as a kid growing up was Rookie of the Year, uh, Henry Rowan Gardner. Rodelmucka, Rosenberger, Gardenhosa. That was like my favorite shit growing up. Run Gardner. Yeah, that was the best. And then I'd have to say, honestly, like one of the most underrated ones, I think it's called Little Big League. It's about a kid who like manages the Minnesota Twins. I forgot his name. Like the character's name is like Billy, Billy something. Ah, I forgot. Max, you know? No? Have you never seen it? Little Big Leagues? No. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I'm trying to think of it too. I don't think I've seen it either. I've seen a fuck ton of them. It's great. I'm sure Justin and Sammy will know, honestly, when they hear this, but. You definitely should watch that if you can. And then I think my third one would be obviously like Bad News Bears with Billy Wright or Billy Bob Thornton. That one's great. I was going to say, if no one's going to put Bad News Bears in there, so yeah. I'd have to put it out in my runner-ups as well. It's a have classic. Have you guys ever seen Major League? Of course. Of course. Yes. Yes. Wild Yeah, Wild Thing. Not my top three, though. Wild Thing. What's yours, Cap? Oh, thanks. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, so I got a couple in mind. In no particular order. I thought we were going to rank these, but in no particular order, I got. I put mine in order. 
Did you? Okay, I'll put. Uh, it's hard to, but I'll try to. Okay, I got Angels in the outfield. Get one. At three. The rookie at two. Oh, that's uh, Dennis rookie. Quaid, right? Dennis Classic Quaid. Dennis Quaid movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the rookie. And number one, forty-two, the Jackie Robinson story. I saw that in theaters when it came out. I was like, this is like the best movie I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, it's a great one. When it came out, but a couple alternates I put in um, that nobody said. I'm surprised nobody said this. The bench warmers. Yeah, I guess. I had money ball in my alternates as well, and yeah, major league as well. I feel so, like we're missing one big one. Oh, you want to know the big one we're missing, Lance? <laughs> what? Sandlot. Yeah. I was. I I knew we were missing a big one. That's a that's like the best baseball movie of all time. We, we I, according to most people, when you ask them, that was definitely the best baseball movie of all time. We we would watch the Sandlot every every uh, bus ride up to camp. Yep, that was a big sleepaway camp movie for sure. I watched it like seven years in a row. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, that's a, that's. I knew we were missing a big one. I was like, what am I not thinking of? But the Sandlot's definitely it. Yeah, that's it. And I could I, I think I could keep rattling off another one. I'll put in my runner ups. Fever Pitch, Jimmy Fallon. Wow, it's a great movie too. Oh my god, such yeah. a good movie. I didn't put enough thought to this. <laughs> I big told you right. That's good. So Why did I say Little Big League? <laughs> <laughs> Little big league over Sandlot. Wow. Yeah, everyone's gonna roast me for that. That's that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but we got baseball coming back in uh in under a week actually, and I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped for it. Johnny, you're big you're, you're a big gambler. I got a value future bet for you. Let's hear it. Yoannis Cespedes MVP. Really? Yeah. Wow. Sixty games. He's healthy now. He looks jacked. I did see and- a picture of him. Oh, you got it, dude. No, I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, I think it was actually Hallie Rose's daughter, Alyssa Rose, tweeted a picture of him, like, like what's holding you back from looking like this, man? I mean, in a six, the, the thing is, in a 60-game in a season, anything can happen, anyone can get hot, and when he's on the field for the Mets, like, when he plays, he's he's unbelievable. So that's my that's my value future bet for you, Johnny. But I'm, well, yeah, he, he didn't play last year, right? He didn't, no. He uh he was trying to trap a boar and he fell and he fell into the boar trap. <laughs> only the only the Mets, only the yeah, Mets. That's tough. Yeah. Speaking of baseball coming back, Maxie, I know you're pumped. Do you think it's going to be successful in coming back? And there's going to be any uh, any downfalls, anything like that? Yeah, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna run pretty smoothly. I actually like some of the amendments they're they're making. So for like extra innings, the last out is starting on second base to kind of speed it up. Yeah, what do you mean the last explain out? Explain that more, the last out. I'm confused. It, when it goes into extra innings, so in the 10th inning, whoever was the last out, so if you're a Yankee fan, if Aaron Judge was the last out, Aaron Judge would start on second base. And, like, as Howie, as Howie Rose said on, on his interview, they, they got to look at the season like it's in the lab, try all all the different things that they've been thinking about and, and debating. So Yeah, I mean, if I were to add something to baseball, like a rule change or anything like that, boys, I would make it like a shootout. So, like, let's say baseball goes into 12 innings, end it at 12. Because if it doesn't go past 12, bring up your best home run hitter, and you get five pitches from, like, your bait, your uh, whoever wants to pitch to you. Go to the mound, you pitch five times. Whoever has the most home runs out of the five wins the game. It's like a shootout. Like, like slow pitch? Yeah, like slow, like, like, like a home run derby. Like a home run derby. That'd be kind of cool. Derby. Once the 12th inning hits, it's like, oh, God, it's like a shootout. All right, bring up your best home run hitter. You got 10 pitches. From whoever your thrower is, obviously, if this was actually installed, you'd have like your guy, you'd have who you're throwing to, and then boom, you bring him up. Yeah, something to think about. Maybe the future yeah. of baseball, right there, yeah, boys. Te- teams would definitely have to build their teams a little differently, if, if right? 
that well, how often is the game? Bring on one slugger. You'd be surprised, I feel like. I think a lot of games, out of all the games in an MLB season, how many do you think go past 12? That's got to be over 10, right? For for a specific team, maybe around 10 games go over, go okay. over 12, 12 innings. But there's also yeah. <laughs> a lot of teams. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Ten was a ten was a little there, short. There, there is something to be said about having uh, like a walk off hit in extra innings, though. Right. That'd be. Hey, I think it brings some entertainment to the sport in extra innings. Everything's slow. Obviously, it's somebody hits a walk off. It's crazy. A little home run derby action would be pretty cool as well. But yeah, but I think we could talk about this for a minute, boys. I think we should kick it over to the interview. It was a great one. We hope everybody enjoys it as much as we did. Let's do it. This interview is brought to you by Dude Robe. Just imagine if a hoodie and a robe had a kid. That's Dude Robe. It's sweatshirt on the outside with absorbent, comfortable material on the inside. Dude Robe is the first bathrobe designed specifically for guys and the only bathrobe to ever appear on Shark Tank. I love wearing my Dude Robe around the rink after a hard day at practice, and it's the first thing I put on every Sunday morning to lay on the couch and watch sports all day. Tons of pro athletes and NBA superstars like Giannis, Zion, Kyrie Irving, and Trey Young are all rocking their Dude Robes in the locker room. We love our Dude Robes, and because we know you will too, we've got an exclusive 20% off discount code for all of our listeners. Just go to www.dudrobe.com and type in LAKA, L-A-T-K-E, at checkout to get your dude robe at 20% off. We have a special one for you guys today as we are joined with Sammy Elias and Justin Rock. They met while playing baseball in the Maccabi Games in 2008 where they took home the bronze and have been close friends ever since. And all the way from Norwood, New Jersey, this guy was bar mitzvahed at Space Odyssey. He went to Wesleyan University where he majored in economics and played baseball. He was named the Jewish All-American and won back-to-back conference championships in 2014 and 2015. In his senior year, he was awarded NESCAC Pitcher of the Year. Then, in 2018, he made headlines in the papers while pitching for the Bergen Swamp Rats when he pitched a mind-boggling 16 innings, allowing no runs and striking out 31 batters all in one game. He now works for the Los Angeles Dodgers as an analyst of baseball operations. And from Closter, New Jersey, this guy was bar mitzvahed at Temple Emanuel. He went to Penn State University where he majored in broadcast journalism. After his time at Penn State, he did the play-by-play and color commentating for the Tennessee Smokies. In 2017, he did the play-by-play for the St. Louis Cardinals minor league team, Johnson City Cardinals. He was named the Appalachian League Broadcaster of the Year in 2018 and currently does the play-by-play for the Cincinnati Reds minor league team, the Daytona Tortugas, and the Army women's basketball team. So without further further ado, it is my honor to welcome my cousin Sammy Elias and Justin Rock to the Locker Room Podcast. What an intro. Thank you, guys. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Been a big fan of their, your first few episodes, and you know, look forward look forward to it uh, every week coming out. You know? We appreciate it. That was Maxie's first intro. I thought he did absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. By the way, so yeah, what's up with you guys? Where are you guys quarantining at? Give us the rundown on that before we get into the nitty gritty of the Jewish conversation. Uh, right now, I'm in uh, Fort Lee, New Jersey. I was actually supposed to go down to Daytona for the start of baseball season uh, the week after the the world essentially stopped. 
and the NBA stopped on that Thursday, uh, March the 10th. And the next morning got a message from, uh, our team president, Ryan Curtis saying, Hey, uh, stay put for now. And then sure enough, uh, that afternoon, Major League Baseball came out and said that they were going to uh, postpone the season. Subsequently, of course, that meant minor league baseball, uh, wasn't going to start on time either. So I've, uh, I've been in Fort Lee in New Jersey ever since and uh, never ended up making it down to Florida so far. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in part my apartment in LA. At least I'm enjoying some nice weather out here and getting outside and staying busy. So it's been, it's been okay. So it's going to be a little different for sure, interviewing both you guys at the same time. So I guess first we'll start with Justin. Give us a little bit about your bar mitzvah growing up, if you can remember that far back, maybe what the theme was, maybe uh, the dinner of choice there. Uh, let's think. It was actually on my exactly my uh, my 13th birthday, March 5th, uh, 2005. Uh, actually had the... Uh, Ceremony at Temple Emmanuel in the morning. I actually had the party there uh, later that night. One of my most famous moments from that bar mitzvah. I was the only one getting bar mitzvah. It was a big synagogue that I grew up, a big congregation. I mean, I was one of the lucky few that had the only bar mitzvah uh, that weekend. Yet uh, still, I was called David by our rabbi during, <laughs> during the service. I have an Uncle David, but I... Was it David or David? <laughs> no, it, it, it was a straight-up David. Uh, so I, <laughs> I got called by a different name uh, at my bar mitzvah. Uh, that had that happen. And then, uh, you know, party was there. Theme was all, you know, sports-related. A lot of, uh, you know, I think that the different tables were different, uh, different athletes. Uh, so there was like a Carmelo Anthony table. There was, you know, probably like a Michael Jordan one, Derek Jeter, A-Rod, all that kind of stuff. But one of the cool things, though, about it was uh, one of my dad's uh, best friends from college worked for NBA Entertainment for a long time, and we'd be lucky to go to NBA All-Star Weekend a few times. And some of uh, the other N- NBA people who worked for them, they had gotten players during the All-Star Weekend to, to wish kids, uh, you know, happy bar mitzvah, happy birthday or whatever, and uh, they surprised me with that. So somewhere on a DVD is uh, Grant Hill, Dwayne Wade, Rashard Lewis, Ray Allen, and a couple other people wishing me a happy, happy bar mitzvah. Well, so mine was at Space Odyssey, which is just an event venue. My temple I belonged to growing up, like, didn't have a physical building. So you just had for bar mitzvah wherever you're having your party. First, I want to jump off two things that Justin mentioned. So he mentioned Earl Boinkins and Dwayne Wade. They're both related to Max, actually. So one of the giveaway we had was, like, there was a spray paint, person, like, spray painting, like, hats and shirts or whatever. So, Max, do you remember what you got? Your hat yeah, I got the hat spray-painted Earl for Earl Boykins, and I wore it, like, every day for two years. <laughs> you loser. <laughs> I remember, I mean, I remember Earl Boykins being, like, a fan favorite because he's just a little dude, like, so it's, like, what was he, probably, like, 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, so. yeah. So, yeah. Who do you uh, even play for? I don't even remember. The Nuggets. The Nuggets. The Nuggets. Well, he was on the Nuggets for a while. And then I'll bring Dwayne Wade into it, Max. I remember on my signing board, Max wrote, "Your DJ looks like Dwayne Wade." So we still have that. Um, <laughs> have that somewhere. Maybe I my. I don't know. If, eh, maybe threw it out when my parents ended up moving out of my childhood home. But uh, I, I couldn't for, tell you for life where mine is. For many years. Oh, I got I'm mine. I got mine, boys. Mine's right there. Mine's in my desk. Yep, I got mine in my room too, Maxie. I have no idea about mine. So theme-wise, I also was sports. Like the tables were all my favorite teams: Giants, Yankees. Uh, Rutgers football, I liked, um, or stuff like that. The place had, um, bowling and, um, it had, like, painless paintball. 
which is, those are two fun activities we have. It was fun. Sounds like a good time. And both, question for both of you guys. What's your guys' Hebrew names, if you guys don't mind me asking? Uh, mine was Yaakov. Classic. Mine is Zev Wolf. Oh, how does, how does that correlate? Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, um, it's, I was named after, like, my, um, my mom's grandfather. He's like, for okay. Hebrew, and my English, my English name, regular name is named after my dad's grandfather, so. Yeah, that was, that was the same thing. It was the same Hebrew name as my mom's father who passed away uh, shortly before my parents uh, even got married. So that's where, obviously, I don't think there uh, is too many, uh, transliterations from Justin into Hebrew, so they threw that one. That's what I'm saying, yeah. I was going to say, that's why I wanted to know yours, because there's so many unique Hebrew names. Like, if you ask, like, I mean, obviously, Jacob's usually, like, Jacob or something like that, but, like, mine is actually, it's pronounced Tzvi, so it's, like, it's just, like, (laughs) out of the ordinary. I've never heard anybody else's that's like that, so that's why I wanted to know yours. But uh, besides that, so you guys met during the Maccabee games. Um, What was it like playing in the Maccabee games? I mean, I'm sure that was amazing. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, it was a great experience. I got to do it for uh, three years. The uh, first year was in uh, Stamford, Connecticut. The first two years I actually did it without uh, Sammy. Sammy joined in my last year. Sammy's a year younger. And so the first year I did it, we actually won uh, the gold medal in Stamford, Connecticut in a crazy game. I think it was in extra innings or something like that. But the second year we you know, were out in uh, Orange County, California. That was a lot of fun. And then the year Sammy and I were together, uh, we were in uh, Detroit, uh, and we actually roomed together with uh, another really close friend of ours that we're still in touch with, uh, Kyle Beldock, who is also a collegiate pitcher uh, out there in Pennsylvania. And we stayed at uh, a house that was absolutely absurd. Like they had drawers that were refrigerators. They had, it, it was a ma- they had like a basketball hoop indoors in in their house. It was like the most ridiculous place to stay. <laughs> For five to six days, they had a pool, and it was great. We uh, we lost a heartbreaking game. I remember to Philadelphia uh, that that screwed up our uh, our chances at winning a uh, gold medal. But it, it was a it was a great experience uh, that summer up there in Detroit. Sammy's. I don't know if there's anything else you remember in particular. Yeah. Um, I just say yeah. I mean, the house we had in Detroit was was great. I still talk about it. And the game we lost to Philly, the definitely the most memorable moment. I'll, I'll toot Justin's form here. It was um, I think it was it was already extra innings. I think tie game. Justin's out in right field. I'm in left field. I remember base hit to base hit to left, and guys trying to score from second. He he threw him out to to keep the game going. And I remember like I was like base hit. I came all the way from left field all the way to shortstop, just like jumping up and down, like so excited. But that, <laughs> that was um that was definitely a memorable moment. I still remember uh, him that that arm. Yeah, that was uh, that was probably the highlight. That was, I think that was the final highlight of my baseball career. I think that was how I think that was how my career more or less ended. Yeah, it was <laughs> Please don't the field. So, so it was back when we were in like high school. So I, I know you were thinking of not the it's different than like the McAfee games that are in Israel, like every four years, so it's just every year in the Yeah, you guys are phonies. You didn't go to Israel. But <laughs> I, I did I've reached out twice to Team Israel to try to, to try to get on like the WBC teams and mm-hmm. um, first first time my freshman year actually and they're like, oh, we're not sure if like college players can play if they'll have eligibility. And then I reached out after I was grad, I had graduated. I'm just like playing summer ball, so like they're like they were they were looking for players. But so when I reached out to the guy, like, oh, we're looking for guys who are in the minors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't good enough for them. So it wasn't for lack of trying that I couldn't play. Like, uh, but um, yeah. So this was like back. I played when I was 15 and 16. So I guess it was like it was definitely high caliber competition, like similar to like um, you know, varsity high school ball, I would say. And then. Yeah. The one thing I said was cool about it was 
just I think a lot of the other a lot of teams or a lot of sports were like four day five day tournament. You just show up and you just kind of play. But what's great about our experience, I thought, was that we spent the whole year preparing. Like, preparing, like we were, you know, we were in a, a league during the spring, did workouts over the winter at the JCC, like to you know get ready for the season. So like we were a really tight knit team, and you know, I still keep in touch with you know Justin, um, a few of the guys pretty closely. So I think that made it a more special experience. The fact that we actually spent the whole year together, and then going, going back playing high school ball. A lot of the top players, there were a few of the top players I played with, so just, you know, coming, coming across them in county championships and state championship games were a lot of fun. Yeah, no, no, I'm just gonna, I was just gonna piggyback onto the back of that, and it was just uh, talking about great experience, and, you know, there was, you know, your fair share. I mean, it really sort of varied in the quality of the opponent, you know, from town to town. I remember the year before Sammy Jones, we were out in California, we played. Uh, a team from LA that was loaded. I don't remember the names. A couple of guys. There were a couple of guys that were playing on like junior uh, Olympic teams. I mean, there was a there was a dude that they had. They had a catcher. We're playing. They were the best team. They won the gold medal that year. I mean, they had a pitcher that looked like Jonathan Broxton at age 16. Uh, <laughs> it was like pumping in 90, and we had the bases loaded on the verge, like breaking the game open. And our uh, shortstop, Mike Greengarten, who now works at Rutgers University, got picked off second base. The base is loaded because the dude just had an absolute rifle. <laughs> the game just went downhill from there, and that was the end of it. I want to ask you guys a little bit more about, like, the away from the field aspect, though, because I'm sure – did you guys live with other fam? You did live with other families while you were there, right? So yeah. as far as, like, being a close-knit team, I know you said you were together for a year, but how different is it when you, like, separate away from the field and go with your host families? Because – I know my Maccabee experience was different because we were all like in the hotel together, so we were able to kind of like hang out away from the, the rink and stuff. But for you guys, it was kind of different because you were living in someone else's house. Can you talk about how that experience was living with another family? Honestly, it was great. I mean, I, I really enjoyed uh, the host family experience uh, at all three of uh, the Maccabee games that I ended up participating in. And, you know, one of the great things about it was, so for Sammy and I, we were rooming together that summer in Detroit. So it was me, him, uh, another good friend of ours. We talked about Kyle. So it was the three of us and two other uh, kids from our same delegation, but they didn't play baseball. They were uh, two uh, kids that played tennis. Actually, there was a fourth kid, uh, Adam Kushvara, stayed with us uh, as well, who was uh, a really good athlete uh, on our baseball team that came and played with us that summer. So we were sort of together uh, at home a little bit, uh, but also a little bit spread out. But for the most part, during these Maccabi games, you were sort of at different venues from basically the morning until the night to have, you know, the games would be during anywhere between, I guess, like sort of like 9 a.m. and probably like 5, 6 o'clock at night. And there was usually some sort of night activity each evening. One night it was like something that the host family did. Another time there would be something at like either the JCC or some other event going around and stuff like that. So they usually had different things for you, and you were only usually at uh, the house or the host family's house uh, mm-hmm. once, you know, all the stuff was done. Yeah, similar experience. It was um, definitely great. Like, the host family treated us great and, like, kind of made, made you part of their family for a week. And well, the one the year, actually, I didn't play with Justin. Like, their son was also playing the game, so it was great. You know, just spend, spend time, get to meet new people. So that was – you talk shit in the house at Autumn or what? He was he wasn't playing baseball, so he was he was like a soccer uh, player. So it, was, okay. uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a rivalry or anything. I was gonna say if you like struck him out a couple of times, it'd be a little awkward going home. <laughs> yeah, definitely would have made it more interesting. So both of you guys fell in love with with the game like a, at a very early age. Did you guys always know that you'd end up having a career around baseball? 
I was fairly certain I was. Um, I was always a sports kid from a young age. Same aspect as most kids growing up who played sports. I wanted to be, you know, the next Derek Jeter or, you know, Michael Jordan and so on and so forth. But uh, probably around the time I was 11 or 12, my dad beat into my head that maxing out at 5'8", Jewish kid, uh, was not going to go on to a professional sports career. So We've all been there. Uh, I figured right around that age, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I wasn't going to get paid to play sports, I might as well get paid to watch them and started, uh, you know, playing video games in my basement, you know, Madden, uh, you know, NBA Live, whatever it was, and I'd be calling games I was playing to myself, and that's how I got started. And lucky enough that you know, still, still going, still in the sports world at age 28. I guess I would say I always knew I kind of want, I would like to work in sports, not necessarily baseball. I would say like football is my number one sport ever, baseball. But um, playing wise, I just was too slow. The best thing about pitching is you don't really have to run, so mm-hmm. you have to run or jump. So it was my skill set was more suited there. So that's kind of what took me there. And then also as I you know got into college and like. Start seeing like what other jobs are available. It's like, oh, like you know, favorite metrics is a big thing, and you know, there's so much things, there's so much data that's created from baseball, and so discrete plays make it so much easier, more easier to analyze stuff. Like you know, in football, like there's obviously a lot of stuff going on. It's like if a pass is thrown, like who knows if it's like the right decision by the quarterback, like how much you give credit to a quarterback, a receiver, the defense, stuff like that. It's a lot easier to do a lot more data analysis stuff with baseball. So like I knew that was a good path that I could take. Um, so I, you know, kind of um, did stuff in college to prepare me for that. I did um, was part of a sabermetrics club at Wesleyan, like did some competitions and started to learn the basics of things that would prepare me for working in a baseball front office. Um, I did actually kind of thought I could want to try kind of Justin's route and go the broadcasting route. I did some broadcasting camps as a kid and was involved with my high school radio station. But uh, as Justin could attest to, public speaking wasn't my like forte. <laughs> <laughs> um, they used to give me. They, they used to give me uh, crap on uh, the Macaulay team when I had to make a. I made some kind of. I think one guy had to make a speech every game, and my speech was pretty bad. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even remember what the full basis of it was, but I, Sammy was like our emergency catcher that year, if I remember correctly. And my vague memory was McKay Field in Englewood, and uh, Howie Spielman, who was uh, the guy who was our head coach. You know, it was like trying to get Sammy to explain like the signs, you know, to uh, you know, to the infield or whatever for throws down to second base on steals, you know, fun situations, whatever. And Sammy just could not <laughs> could not like put words together into a coherent sentence for what seemed like a, an extended period of time. So basically every time Sammy spoke for the rest of that summer, it just resulted in everyone chanting, speech, speech. Every team's got that guy. I get a little nervous public speaking. I've tried to work on it. Hopefully uh, I don't sound like an idiot out here. So I definitely definitely was a little nervous like when Max asked me to come on, but I figured uh, I I was still excited about it and a little shot here. I do want to ask, you mentioned all the sabermetrics and the stats that go involved in baseball. Is is the movie Moneyball like a porn for you or what? The movie's good. I I enjoy the I enjoy the book more than the movie. So I would say, like, it's mm-hmm. a lot of times book, you know, when, when the movie can move into a book, the book's better, and I think that's that's the case. And 
I mean, it's a, I think it's it's still a very well done movie. Brad Pitt's great, so I, I do I do enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Some awards you you've won in the past, Sammy. You won the NESCAC Pitcher of the Year. I'm very familiar with the NESCAC conference. It's a really competitive conference, um, obviously. And Justin, you won Broadcaster of the Year. Can you guys talk about that a little bit? I'll take that first. I think one thing that was like kind of wild about it was our pitching. Like I wasn't our pitching staff was so great that like I never I wasn't even starter starting pitcher until my senior year at all because we had three guys that were all like. Pumping 90, which like for for like D3 NESCAC is like you know it's not that common. Like so I was, I mean I was pretty good out of the bullpen, and then even my senior year I was only our number three starter. Like we had the two guys in front of me. One got signed by the Dodgers, actually. The other went and played wow. in the ball. So like I would say overall they're probably better. They were better pitchers than me. So it definitely was kind of surreal to you know be have a year where I mean it's like it's luck. Obviously like our college season isn't that long, so you're pitching. You're pitching seven. I pitched. I was. I threw like 75 innings, which, um, as any good saber mesh could tell you, is not a large enough sample size. I would say to give you a picture of true talent. So I definitely mm-hmm. felt lucky to be able to put together, you know, good string of games, and you know, it was cool to um, be recognized as a top pitcher in the, the league. That you know, I thought was very strong. And had I think we had three guys go on to, you know, play affiliated ball from from NESCAC that year. Um, so it definitely was special, and more importantly, you know, able to contribute to a team that won our conference championship and made deep runs into the NCAA tournament. We lost in the regionals both um, my last two years, unfortunately, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Now, as yeah, for me, I mean, it was uh, it was sort of a surreal uh, experience. A lot of times it feels like, especially minor league baseball, a lot of leagues have broadcasters of the year awards, and a lot of times it feels like it's sort of passed around amongst the group, like, you know, whoever hasn't won it before or, Whoever hasn't uh, won it in a long time, they sort of shuffle it around because no one really wants to feel like they're any better than anybody else since it's usually a community thing. But uh, in the Appy League, it was, a, it was a big surprise. I think it was only the second year they ever had uh, the Broadcaster of the Year Award, and it was uh, my second year, second different team I had worked for in that league. People, you know, were like trying to tell me that they thought I was going to win going, uh, you know, going into that kind of stuff, but. You know, I'm not the kind of person that's going to toot my own horn and, you know, like think, oh, yeah, this is for sure going to happen. So when I found out it was, uh, you know, kind of a, a big shock and a big surprise, but it was uh, very flattering. And, you know, that summer that I had uh, 2018 in Greenville working for the Reds uh, was, uh, you know, a huge impact on getting me to where I am now uh, in Daytona since obviously in the same uh, minor league affiliate, both affiliate with the Reds and, Made some really good relationships down there. And so it was very uh, sort of surreal experience, but uh, very blessed. Justin, this question is for you. I spoke to Kenny Albert a little bit today. He came on our show a couple episodes ago. But I understand that Kenny was very good to you. Can you explain to us how he helped spiral your career? Kenny uh, actually lived in the town that I grew up in, a town called Closter, New Jersey. Right around the time that I was getting bar mitzvahed, my dad wanted to you know, somehow make some sort of introduction uh, since he belonged to JCC where my dad worked and, you know, they had cross paths one way or another and, you know, you, they knew mutual people. And so my dad won some raffle thing to go to, uh, my first hockey game. It was a Rangers Calgary Flames game, I think in 2003. And like before the game got to go up, uh, to the radio booth, uh, and meet Kenny, which was awesome. You know, gave me like, you know, game notes and I think I still have a lot of the stuff that he gave me. Uh, somewhere in my room. Uh, so it was great to get that first introduction. And then later on, since, you know, we live in the same town and, you know, I'd see him at shul on the high holidays and things of that nature, 
he uh, and I spoke to him. We met once or twice before I, you know, started applying to colleges and making college decisions. And he told me a story about how he ended up making the decision to go to NYU over Syracuse, which obviously many people know as a great uh, communication school, and that's where uh, his dad, Marv, uh, went to school and obviously went on to have his great broadcasting career. Uh, but what he said to me was the reason he chose NYU over Syracuse was because he was a huge hockey guy, and he could not handle being away from the Rangers and big-time hockey for four years of college experience. And when I was narrowing down my choices, it was really between Penn State. It really sort of came down between Penn State and Ithaca. And I ended up choosing Penn State over Ithaca largely because Penn State was going to give me more of a, you know, big-time sports experience than necessarily, you know, going to Ithaca and Division Three school. Because uh, of the frat parties. That, that too. Uh, that definitely did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then broadcast a game the next morning, but that just only adds to the experience. But uh, even afterwards, Kenny's, you know, stayed in touch uh, through, you know, the, the wonders of social media and, and email and stuff like that. And anytime I've ever needed a, a question, or, you know, even times where I've just gone and had tickets to a Rangers game and just sent him a message saying, hey, you know, is there a time that I can stop by uh, up where the broadcast booth is just to say hello, shake your hand and whatever. And, uh, you know, he's made time for me uh, to do that in the past. So he's been someone that's always been uh, great to me and great, I know, to uh, many other broadcasters and people in the sports industry. So just very grateful for him uh, willing to spend uh, some time with an uh, annoying little kid back in the day. Yeah, Kenny, Ken Kenny seems like one of the nicest people ever. I'll add a Kenny story, too. As I said, um, I don't have the, the long-standing relationship with him that, that Justin does, but um, as I mentioned before, I was uh, I went to a sports broadcasting camp for two uh, two years, and he was a guest. He was a guest both years, and I, I remember him just being the nicest guy. Like was was great, and he he brought all these old media guys from like all the different games he did, like football, baseball. So I still have this right here, actually, 2006 Dodgers media guide, courtesy of Kenny Albert. So, uh, Very cool. And now it works out that I work for the Dodgers now. What Sammy didn't tell you is he actually pulled that out of somebody's office at Dodger Stadium right before. Well, I, did I did that with some things, but um, this, I, this I've had for, uh, for a while. So speaking of the Dodgers, Justin, you also work in the Cincinnati Reds organization. What was it like the first time that you, Justin, interviewed a pro baseball player? And when, Sammy, you handed your first scouting report to a Dodger player. For me, the first time, I'm trying to remember the first time I really interviewed someone that big, probably the first summer or so. My really introduction into, you know, sort of being an official broadcaster after my sophomore year of college, uh, I worked in the Cape Cod League uh, 2012 and 2013 for the Bourne Braves. And one of our, uh, I wouldn't say he was our president, but he, he, worked in the organization, did stuff for the uh, Cape League Hall of Fame and proposed an idea for me and a couple of the other uh, broadcasters I was working with to get press passes to Fenway for a game to interview former Cape League players. And so I had the chance to, you know, go to Fenway and, you know, I interviewed like Kelly, not, not one really major, I think it, the biggest interview I had was like Kelly Shopik or someone like that. Uh, just talking about his, you know, Cape League experience. Then got to do it again at uh, City Field a couple weeks later, getting an interview, met the Nationals, uh, Ike Davis, you know, uh, I think Danny Espinosa was another. 
just about their experiences in the Cape League. So that was like my first time in a major league clubhouse, major league, uh, you know, media rooms and stuff like that. And it was a, it was a nerve wracking experience for sure, but, uh, definitely a, a, a cool moment. Looking back on it, that uh, we got to do a couple times that summer. Justin, I'm not a I'm not a huge baseball guy, but I do I do love that movie Summer Pitch. I think that guy Billy Brewbreaker was fucking hilarious in that, in that movie. But, um, <laughs> summer, but catch, I, summer, summer catch, summer catch, summer catch. My bad, my bad. Not a huge baseball guy, like I said. I know my shit. I think with that movie, Billy Brewbreaker is the right name, right? Yeah, huh. I do believe so, that's correct. Yeah. So how well does Summer Catch depict like what the Cape Cod League is like? I think one of the funniest things the first summer I worked there, uh, a guy I lived with who. Ended up uh, interning with the Royals, and I think he now still works for the Brooklyn Nets. He was one of my favorite people. His name is Glenn DuPaul. He would he was like writing for Fangraphs at the time, or something like that. And he would like we would be working uh, these games for Born, and then he would come home and just start pounding beers and writing these like uh, sabermetric articles. <laughs> and while we were doing that, like he would always complain that like summer catch, like most of it was filmed in North Carolina. So there would be like part, just like the parks wouldn't look right. And like, like the advertisements on the walls and stuff like that were correct. But like a lot of the places weren't actually the places in the Cape Lake. And you can actually like, I think there's a scene where like, I think he pitches for Chatham and like the press box, like burns down or something like that. And like, it looked nothing like the fields in, in actually in Chatham and stuff like that. <laughs> So he would always complain how it, it didn't look. It, it wasn't. It didn't look aesthetically correct to uh, what the Cape League actually was. And then Sam, I guess I don't deal too much directly with the players. Kind of go through the coaching staff or other front office. So um, I don't have a great answer for that exact question. But I'll give you um, my first like big meeting. I guess where I was presenting, um, preparing for the playoffs for like the whole coaching staff was definitely like a cool experience. So. I remember meeting Dave Roberts for the first time, and I was like, I still have some hard feelings from 2004. Um, as a did you Yankee tell him that Ariano picked him off? <laughs> I did. I was. Um, it, that definitely was. Um, that game was definitely going through my head when I was meeting him. But um, that was definitely um, cool being able to like um, present for you know the whole coaching, um, whole major league coaching staff, uh, guys who like I remember growing up watching like Dave Roberts and Mark Pryor. Um, so that was a that was a cool experience. Well, speaking of Mark Pryor, not I mean. Back in the day goes back even farther, but back in the day, pitch count wasn't really a thing. But today, if like Walker Bueller, Luis Castillo is out there in the eighth, the pitching coach sweats. How the hell did you pitch 16 innings? So, I mean, it definitely helps the fact that, so this was, um, I guess, two years ago in 2018. So I'm a 25-year-old, like, we're at the time working, just like, you know, working at a regular job, like playing summer ball. So first of all, like, if I hurt my arm, like, it doesn't really matter. If Walker Bueller hurts his arm, that's going to, that cost the team a lot and it costs him, it could, you know, cost him millions of dollars. So that's the biggest difference why, like, I, I don't see a problem with me pitching 16 innings. And, you know, I was, I played for that team for, that was like my sixth year of playing or something like that. So coach knew me well. And it's kind of a weird situation, actually. So it was, it was the playoffs, double elimination. We had lost, we already lost the game. So we're going to take all that to advance. The game had started on a Sunday and in the fifth inning, it got, it got um, rained out. We, it was um, actually two guys on base with no outs top of the fifth and gets rained out and then we don't start start until tuesday so they're like okay game starting tuesday in the fifth inning you got the ball to start in the fifth because I, i'm gonna come in relief possibly on that sunday so i can't the game started in the fifth inning and i came in and then i don't know like i just kind of you know had it that day and was um kind of mowing everyone down and 
coach would keep saying, like, how do you feel? I feel good. Uh, so kept going back out there. And, you know, now 20th, 20th inning, we finally were able to score a run. And, uh, and we might have, it actually might have ended earlier in the 18th. I let off, because actually the guy who started was our starting shortstop, was our starting pitcher that day, so there was no DH, so I, I had to hit. So in the, I started off the 18th inning with the leadoff single, then got to second on like a pass ball. And, you know, I'm, at this point, I'm 14 innings in, like, or feeling, I'm feeling unstoppable. Like, like it's like I had to start in, in um, Super in Mario or whatever. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm not fast. I decide I'm going to try to steal third with no outs. Cardinal sin, you never make the first out of third. So I tried stealing third, got thrown out, and also jammed my hand, like, on the bag. So I remember waking up the next day, like, I woke up at, like, 5 a.m. My fucking, I felt like I broke my thumb. But uh, coach was pretty pissed at me for that. But I mean, the game might have ended earlier if I wasn't it. <laughs> your pitching hand or your offhand? No, offhand, offhand. I was going to say, and then you went back out and threw. Oh, my yeah. God. That's, that's well, actually, yeah, everyone's like, oh, like, was your arm killing you after? So the next day, like, my thumb hurt from trying to steal third, and then my, like, my back was, like, was really sore. Went for some cryotherapy the next day. It made me feel a little better. Uh, were you were you surprised when uh, the starting nine talked about you on their podcast? I guess a little bit. Um, it was cool. I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm not a huge Barso follower, but still was uh, cool. You know, I guess go viral or whatever. Um, people started sending it around. And uh, it's cool to have five <laughs> seconds of fame or whatever. I actually got to meet Dallas Braden and uh, what's the other guy? The other, the other guy who drew the podcast that were talking about it. Jared? Yeah, Jared Travis. So I got to meet them at the winter meetings. It was cool. And, uh, cool. Got to talk about, it, talk about that. So usually. So usually when you go out and have a 16-inning game like that, there's got to be some superstitions or rituals that go into it. What was the pregame meal before that? I don't remember, honestly. I, I was definitely – at the time I was working in the city, um, so, and it was like that was one of the furthest fields from there. So I probably grabbed something real quick on the run because um, I don't remember. I was definitely – I definitely had superstitious meals, like more like in high school and college. Like remember before every high school basketball game, I would eat a coffee cake muffin from Dunkin' Donuts and a banana. Um, but – can't remember what I ate that day. I would say superstitions. I was definitely like don't want to step on the line going out to the mound. I always kind of do like a little jump over the whole whole foul line. That was like the biggest. That was the only real superstitious thing I was probably doing. Yeah, I was always I was always interested in what uh, baseball player superstitions were compared to hockey players because I'm an absolute weirdo. I got some crazy ones, so that's pretty funny. Well, you had, Justin, any crazy uh, broadcasting superstitions you do or what? Uh, there's not really too many of them, uh, and there's not really too much you can really incorporate into that. But there's definitely times, I think, just being around baseball, you get superstitious. Like, yeah, when your team, like there have definitely been times where it makes no sense. Like, I have no impact on the game whatsoever. I, I, I literally do nothing that impacts wins or losses. But there'll be times, like, you start thinking, it's like, ah, shit, I've worn this, like, same hat for three straight days, and we won all three games. Like, I guess I'm wearing the hat again today, and I'm, I'm not ruining the streak now. We won three in a row, or it's just like, ah, maybe yeah. I shouldn't have uh, brought this, and we lost a snap the losing streak or whatever. But that's probably about it as far as the extent of superstitions go for, for broadcasters. I'm sure some of them, someone has some crazy ones where they've got to do something in particular before a game. But like, as in terms of like pregame meals or whatever, like. Minor league baseball, like I'm just shoving whatever food I've gotten in my near vicinity. Through the old high school musical before you go out there. Blue, blue, ma. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that. Little, little <laughs> so, J- Justin, did you 
have a lot of trouble at all developing a catchphrase? Were there any things that you were kind of trying out as you were going in your career? Um, I never really wanted to come up with like a, a formulated catchphrase or anything. I think uh, all the best broadcasters, uh, regardless of sport, uh, whether you're a hockey guy and love Doc Emmerich, uh, baseball, oh. uh, love Vin, Vin Scully, you know, basketball, Mike Breen, the list goes on and on. Uh, a lot of their you know, signature catchphrases came from spur-of-the-moment things and just sort of stuck as time went on. So I never really wanted to, to formulate anything or have anything that, like, I scripted beforehand. So if something – I say something and it sounds good. I mean, I've sort of begun to have certain phrases I go to, you know, for, for home runs or, or strikeouts or, or certain things like that. But when I first started, it wasn't like anything – uh, in particular, I was focusing in on uh, to try and do is something that sort of just got developed with more uh, reps and more experiences on air and interacting with other broadcasters, young and old, and seeing how they sort of went about their craft and how they handled situations like that. So I have ended up having some, but it was never anything sort of like planned, you know, beforehand. So um, actually, Sammy sent over a YouTube clip to me, and I and I watched it. It was of the Army women's basketball game, and you said something in there that I've never heard anyone say, and it was spun out like a wash cycle. Like that's a catchphrase I've never heard. Is that something that you it just came to mind, like as you were as you saw it, or yeah, it's just one of those things. Like I, I especially it's it's hard sometimes for Army since uh, especially when we're at home, our games uh, stream on the radio, as well as we have a video feed for anyone who wants, wants to watch online. Um, so like you're trying to sort of toe the line between you don't want to be overbearing uh, for the people watching the stream, watching live, because they can see what's happening. But in the same regard, you got people possibly listening on the radio that can't see a dang thing of what's going on. So you have to be descriptive. And it was a spur-of-the-moment thing. And that honestly probably wasn't even the first time I used it. I think... The first time I can specifically remember using that phrase was uh, the last broadcast I ever did for student radio in college. Uh, I got to do Penn State's first bowl game back after the bowl ban. Oh, wow. That's Penn State bowl against Boston College at Yankee Stadium. I said that I that was the first time I can specifically remember using that line when somebody, I don't remember who it was on Penn State, just tossed somebody around in the backfield and throw them down to the ground. And I can specifically remember using that phrase once. And that might have been the first time I've used it since then. I really don't know. Justin, on top of that, what do you think your biggest call was as a broadcaster? Like, like man, you remember this moment. Something came out of your mouth and you were just like, man, I'm going to remember this. And if you don't mind, could you paint us a picture and give us a little sequence, like a little broadcast, guys on the mound? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, trying to think of a specific moment I'm trying to think of ones that sort of come to mind. I never have had the pleasure of really calling uh, any championship moments uh, or anything of that nature. Uh, but, I mean, I, I do remember get well, – actually, my first year working at West Point was uh, very cool. So uh, the first year I worked at Army doing their women's basketball games, uh, they had the best season in league history. They went 29-2. and two. They had a girl by the name of Kelsey Minato. Uh, who was absolutely unbelievable. She set the Army scoring record, male or female. Uh, same goes for the Patriot League. Uh, they did a whole feature on her, uh, the NCAA tournament uh, selection show. 
uh, when they did make the NCAA tournament that first year. So I got to call an NCAA tournament game. Not necessarily specific games, but I've had the you know privilege of working between uh, Penn State as a student, uh, working minor league games uh, as a professional. Uh, same thing with uh, working stuff for Army as a professional, but I got to call games at Madison Square Garden, uh, Barclays Center, uh, MetLife Stadium, Yankee Stadium. Uh, I've already mentioned I got to do the, the thing at City Field, so I've had the pleasure basically getting to work as a, a professional member of the media in every arena that I grew up going to or stadium I grew up going to as a kid, which is pretty surreal to think of, you know, when I'm really only 28 years old and I'm just sort of starting. But game, uh, the really – isn't one that stands out above the rest. Uh, one of the ones, uh, probably one of the best ones, is one of the recent ones. Uh, the end of the season last year in Daytona, they had a seven-run comeback in the eighth inning in the middle of a playoff uh, push. They kept their postseason hopes alive. If they lost, they were probably done. And they came back and won 11-8. And unfortunately, it ended up not mattering because Hurricane Dorian came and canceled the rest of the season. But uh, that was an awesome moment. But as for uh, setting a scene, I can absolutely do one. that. All right. Elias on the mound. Runners at first and second, two out here in the bottom of the third inning. Runners take their leads. Elias comes set, the one-two pitch, swung on and hit in the air in the right center field. Peterson going back into his right camps under it, just in front of the warning track, makes the catch over his right shoulder, and the inning is over. For the Yankees in the inning, no runs, two hits, no errors, and two men left on base at the end of three innings at Dodger Stadium. So Dodgers two and the Yankees nothing on the Dodgers radio network. That's unbelievable. I saw, I saw that happening. Yeah. You? Do you ever, like, when boys, you're hanging out with your friends? Boys, oh that was unreal. That was Do you unreal. ever, like, when you're hanging out with your friends... Drinking beers like watching. Yeah. Just oh like, yeah, no, that was that, that that was a funny thing. So I pledged to fraternity. They <laughs> never made I was like totally so my last name is Rock. They always made, you know, you know, jokes about the rock. Then you had always had me do like, you know, uh uh whatchamacallit, you know, the people's elbow and stuff like that. But they never realized until after I was done with pledging that I was a broadcaster. And that, like, they could have had, while I was pledging, like, me just sitting there broadcasting the games for them. So after I was done, they would they would shut the, you know, the volume off. Anytime they had their friends around, they would make me do that. And even now, That's like, unreal. Yeah, I'll be hanging out with friends. And there'll, there'll be somebody new that, that hasn't met me yet. It's like, yo, watch this shit. And we'll turn on the TV and wow, So when the Mets made that run in 2015, my brother and I were crazy Met fans. They were on ESPN. We'd mute the games, and then we'd connect our phone that had SNY radio, and we'd connect it to a speaker and make sure to link it because we liked Gary Cohen, uh, Keith, and Ron more than ESPN. So that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people that do that. That's one of the cool things finding out is when, like, working at West Point, and it's, you know, it's a nice feeling when you hear, you know, from fans or you know, parents of players or coaches or whatever that they're, you know, yeah, we've got the video feed on, but we shut their broadcasters off and sync it up to, to your broadcast because we'd rather listen to you, you know, than somebody else. So, you know, it, it takes some work, as you probably remember from that, to try and find a way to sync it up correctly oh, with buffering God. and crap like that. So, you know, it, it takes some time and you got to be patient. So it, it means a lot for, for me as a young broadcaster when someone takes the time to do that. 
before before Max asked you that question, I wanted to to say like if I had a voice like that, I'd be at the bar all the time. Sammy works his way up to the girl yep. and takes a shot and he strikes out. You know, that'd be so fucking fun. I, amazingly, never actually. That was one of the funny things in college. One of my best friends would always make fun of me. Is like, dude, you should talk in your broadcaster voice all the time. You and should. Literally, yeah. I was on a Zoom call last. Actually, probably around exactly a week ago now with uh, all the kids I pledged with. And, like, he brought up a question. like, remember how I used to make that comment that, like, you should talk in your broadcaster voice all the time? You're doing that now. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's just something that happened over time. I don't know. We've been asking Justin a lot of the questions. I know you went to a couple broadcasting camps yourself. You want to rebuttal, paint a little picture of yourself or what? <laughs> uh, gonna, I, don't, I don't think I, I can't compete with that. But I guess I will tell one more broadcasting story. That I, I somehow have all these broadcasting stories in college, the baseball team, and we had to work the football game, so I had different jobs, like either selling hot dogs or um, I did the chains for one year. But um, one year I was the PA announcer. So I kind of, I also kind of, kind of getting to what you're talking about, like, does Justin like have catchphrases or try to copy anyone? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the PA announcer. So who's the best PA announcer? I know Bob Shepard, or rest in peace, Bob Shepard, like, you know, legendary Yankees and uh, the Giants, um, New York Giants also, I believe. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to, like, sound like him because, you know, he's the best. So I tried to do, the, like, this Bob Shepard voice, and apparently, like, I mean, it sounded okay to me, but apparently it was terrible. My friends made fun of me for that. For They still make fun of me for that. Like, and I guess, and also, like, uh, I was a big, I was a Rutgers football fan, so, like, they, the guy who did their announcement, I think he also does, like, the Jets. He always used to do, like, and that is a Rutgers first down. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that for Wesley. Like, that is a Wesley. <laughs> They they roasted me for that. They're like it sounded bad. <laughs> but, uh, it, was, uh, it was still a fun experience, but um, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm retired from broadcasting. <laughs> and public speaking, public speaking at its finest, right there, folks. So you both grew up diehard Yankee fans. Now that you both are working for an MLB organization, what's your favorite team? Dodgers, definitely. I Dodgers. Mean, you do so much, like at least for like, especially for me, like my kind of job is to try to make Dodgers win games. So like. You're so emotionally invested in it. It's like I think it's to a level that's like only could be surpassed by actually playing or, or probably coaching also. Like where like you feel like when the Dodgers win, like even though like I'm doing like very extremely small part and like really don't have an effect on if we win or not, like it feels it's just you feel more part of it. So my success is kind of determined by how they're successful they are. So definitely Dodgers. Um, I was certainly rooting for the Yankees against the Astros like in the playoffs once we were eventually were eliminated. But yeah, definitely. I mean, I still sort of uh, root for the Yankees and stuff like that. But for when it comes to baseball, it's so hard, especially as a broadcaster, because 99 times out of 100, I'm working at the same time any other team is playing, especially the Yankees. Now, you work in the East Coast. You know, most of our games are starting at 7 o'clock. Yankees are starting at 7 o'clock. So usually I'm missing the entire game. Like, you might catch some of it if, it, you know, they're playing out on the West Coast. And I'm up late at night doing something for work and have the game on in the background. So through working in baseball, my fandom's intensity for the Yankees has definitely died down. But, you know, when I was working for the Smokies, it's like a 2016 World Series run for the Cubs. I was heavily invested in them since I'd worked for the Smokies for two years. And I knew a whole bunch of the guys uh, that were making that run of the World Series for Chicago. I'm working for a Reds affiliate the last two years. I've gotten to know some people within the organization very well. And, you know, if the people within the organization treat you well, you always want to sort of uh, see them do well, too. So I've definitely 
added, you know, the Reds to the list of teams that I'm pulling for, even though I don't really know anyone particularly playing for them uh, at this point in time. But I'm sure in the next uh, couple of years or so that'll change. Speaking on the Reds and the Dodgers, um, they both had a huge offseason. What was the mood around the organization when they decided to postpone the start of the season? I know myself and Laz, who's on a little potty break right now, both got our seasons ended at NCAA hockey, which was a little upsetting. Um, so, I mean, how was it from a pro standpoint um, dealing with it? I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, he's been going first a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I definitely. Ooh, I don't think we would, <laughs> um, <laughs> would, would compare to, like, the emotion that you guys are feeling. Like, as part, you're in the middle of the season, and, like, you're probably, like, with either your whole team or at least players on your team. It was definitely weirder for us that um, it was during spring training, so, like, a majority of the organization had spring training, and I had been there for, like, a week, but I was back in L.A. So the office was really empty. There's really not – there wasn't, like, too much, you know, going on. So, like, it kind of just, like – we and there was also a lot of uncertainty. We're like, I, like, we didn't know what was really happening, so they kind of told us to start working from home, and then we kind of knew that that was not a good sign, and, and that was just right after the – the NBA shut down, so it was kind of, we saw the writing on the wall, but there wasn't one point in time where, like, okay, this is when we know it's, like, kind of not going to happen, where I was, like, with, you know, with a lot of coworkers or anything, so I didn't have, like, some such emotional reaction, but now just, it's kind of just a slow burn, though. It's, like, like I'm st- still missing, missing that's not happening right now, so feels done, doesn't feel good. For me, it was a little bit weirder since I was sort of in this hiatus period between basketball and baseball, like I said, I was going to go down to Daytona uh, within a couple of days of the news, you know, that the world was stopping. Uh, actually, my basketball season had ended. So that Thursday, March the 10th, um, you know, the day that postponed the NBA season, of course, the next day Major League Baseball followed suit. Uh, that Monday was the day that Army's women's basketball team got eliminated from the Patriot League uh, tournament. So. Like, our season had just ended. Uh, because of that, we were all over the place. We had been in – I had been in three, four cities in seven days, you know, the week leading up to that. So I was in Boston, uh, Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and in a span of, you know, six days or so, traveling around different hotels, different people, and amazingly, nothing really bad happened to me. Uh, luckily, you know, stayed healthy and stuff like that, even though, you know, you were all around – basically the eastern seaboard for a couple of days. So it's been weird for me since I've been separated from everybody else in Daytona. I never got down there uh, for the start of the season to stay in touch with them on a prayer, uh, fairly consistent basis, you know, just checking in to see how everybody's doing down there. In a weird way, it's sort of lucky for, for our girls at Army that our season ended uh, the way it did on that Monday night, losing on the road, because they sort of ended up having a final end of their season because the league semifinals, I was supposed to go on, I believe, uh, a Thursday or Friday. Uh, ended up getting ultimately uh, postponed and then canceled because the entire NCAA tournament uh, got canceled. So those girls didn't have a finite end to their college careers while ours, you know, even though they lost the game, you know, they knew when it was over. Crazy world we're living in right now, boys. Crazy world. All right, so I have a question for each of you before we get into the matzo ball minute. I'll start with you, Justin. Justin, if you could sit in the booth and do the play-by-play with one person, who would it be, and which game would you choose? Uh, game as in, like, specific game or sport? Like, as in you could choose 
World Series, uh, Stanley Cup. Uh, game seven World Series or – I'll make it more interesting. I'll go, you know, since I've been blessed enough to do multiple sports, I'll, I'll sort of sort of choking up that way. For First and foremost, number one, uh, basketball was my, actually, believe it or not, my first love uh, growing up. Uh, I love Phil Walton. I would kill to do a game with Phil Walton. I, that just looks like so much fun. He does, I mean, he, he just has so much fun. And enjoying the game basketball and I, I love the stupid side tangents he gets off of and the ability of the consideration of trying to reel him in. I think that would be absolutely hilarious. Clyde Frazier, a, a very close second since obviously I love him. Uh, growing up a Knicks fan watching him, uh, throughout the course. Baseball wise, that's a really, really good question. There are probably, a, any, I'm, even though I grew up more of a Yankee fan than a Mets fan, I, I love uh, the Mets broadcasters. I love Gary Cohen and, and Howie Rose and Keith and Ron and, and the job they do. So I think it would be a lot of fun to work with them on a game at some point. But probably number one, if I had to divvy it all out, some any any basketball game with with Bill Walton and or Clyde Frazier, yeah. I think cool. that would be that would be the most fun for you, Sammy. If you could steal one pitch from any pitcher and be able to throw that pitch, but everything else is the same, what pitch would it be, and would you make the major leagues? Probably going to go with a fastball, because I think my changeup could, could be like, okay, so I mean, I guess I'll just go with Aroldis Chapman's fastball. And, yeah, I mean, he basically does one pitch, so if I had a pitch. <laughs> yep. I thought for sure you were going Mariano Cutter. That's what I thought. I thought you were for sure going the Mariano uh, Cutter. That, that would have been a good choice too. I mean, again, I mean, yeah, again, he only threw the cutter. So if you have his cutter, I don't know if you're like. I guess I was thinking more of like part of what made him great. Obviously, the cutter has very, very great movement, very unique movement, but also pinpoint command. So I, I kind of took the question as I don't know if I would get his command out of it. So I mean, if I could throw one hundred two, like it's hard to turn that down. Can't teach so cheap, one, man. One and <laughs> you, would you make the leagues? Yeah, I would. With a fastball like that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> All right, boys, so it's time for another installment of the Matzo Ball Minute questions coming up here. I guess it's going to be different because we got both you guys on here. So I guess we'll start with Sammy because Justin's been getting the majority of the starts for these questions. So we'll start with Sammy um, and then go with Justin right after. So the first one we're going to start with is cheesecake or mini hot dogs? Ooh, that's a tough one. I go mini hot dogs. Right, yeah. I mean, I assume that the, the question definitely came from Max because I love my grandma's <laughs> as my favorite dessert. Um, so it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely up there, but the, I just like, I gotta go hot dogs. I, I just made them, I made them myself the first time. I, any like family holiday, we always have that. But uh, I've, since I'm quarantined out here, I'm like, let's make some. And uh, yeah, I'm going hot dogs. I, I was a ketchup guy as a kid, but like, no self respecting Jew puts ketchup on their hot dog. Except for me. <laughs> yeah, same here. What the fuck are you talking about? There was uh, there was one Thanksgiving that Sammy couldn't be at, and his dad mailed him a mini hot dog. Just one mini hot dog. One mini hot dog. Yeah, it was one, and he put the, he put he he put the wrong like zip code, so it took like two weeks to get there, and it was all molded. It was disgusting. That just that just shows he cares though. <laughs> that just shows he cares though. Thought, it was a thought that counts. Yes. <laughs> Justin, cheesecake or mini hot dogs? I guess I gotta go mini hot dogs. I mean, I feel like with the Jewish factor. I mean, like I think that it's a mandatory rule for every bar mitzvah to have cocktail franks. Yeah. So I mean, it's it, it's it's gotta be that. Nothing better than a nice kosher kosher uh, <laughs> kosher hot dog. Um, the Hebrew national. 
Like Hebrew National, that's what I was looking for. Anything Thank you. Garbage. Next up, potato latkes or matzo ball soup? Matzo ball, matzo ball soup. soup. Consensus Absolutely. all around. I love it. Next up, shuffleboard or batting practice? Batting practice. Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, oh, you spend too much time with your parents in Florida. What's going on? <laughs> I mean, I grew up I grew up playing shuffleboard with my cousins down in Florida and my grandparents. I got to go shuffleboard, more competitive, and I never was, you know, great with the bat, so... Um, you know, I'll, I'll excel better at shuffleboard. I'll go there. <laughs> I've worked for two minor league baseball teams in Florida. I have never played shuffleboard on a lot in my life. <laughs> You're missing out. You're missing out. I was going to say, that's another maxi question mainly directed towards Sammy. I could tell that. And maybe I'll start broadcasting. Oh, I'm a big shuffleboard guy. Big, big shuffleboard guy. But uh, continuing on, Bernie Williams or Derek Jeter? It's got to be Jeets. Bernie. I mean, I love Bernie, but Jeter, Jeter defined. I mean, it was literally the line my dad said, "You're not going to be the next Derek Jeter." It was never the next Bernie Williams. Like I, I was kind of, I was kind of kidding. Like Jeter was everyone's favorite, so like I wasn't like he wasn't going to be mine. I always loved Bernie, just like I don't know, like this person out, like laid back person out. I mean, Jeter was too. And yeah, yeah I, I love Bernie. Bernie no, no, is one of my favorite Yankees, so I'm going Bernie, and he's he he gets no respect. There was like all oh, the core four: Jeter, Mariano. Pettit and um, Posada, but the only reason Bernie's not in that conversation is he retired earlier. What about Matsui? That I absolutely agree with. Bernie Bernie does not get enough love. Hideki Matsui, no love, too. What the fuck's up with that? (laughs) Stop it. Um, Diner or delicatessen? I'm going diner. A little more variety. I'll take a good deli. I'll take a good deli over over a good diner. So what's your guys' guys go-to? What's your guys' go-to diner? What's your guys' go-to deli? I know you guys got one. You have to. Come on. Diner would be diner could be anything. I mean, I, it really diners all moves. You can get anything, and especially in New Jersey. I mean, you can get any sort of meal you want at a diner. As for a deli, my favorite was there's an Italian deli in close to Non Clementina, still there. You yes. get, a, get a nice chicken cutlets, some fresh mozzarella and pesto on uh, on a round roll. That was the go-to every time. Still miss. Say it. no more, my family. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going. I'm going diner, and if you're I go with my favorite town in LA. There's a the pantry diner here. It's been been around since 1920s. Their 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 omelets and sourdough toast are to die for. And also um, Langer's Deli, LA best um, like Jewish New York style deli. Their number 19s are pastrami um, with coleslaw. It's it's the best pastrami. It's the best pastrami sandwich I've had. I think. So I'm a big breakfast guy. Um, living in New York for three years, I went to fucking like 75 delis. So you walk into a deli, you're getting a bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll or on a bagel? Bagel. I'll go everything bagel, but I uh, can't go wrong either way. And that's definitely one thing. You don't, you, you can't get a good bacon, egg, and cheese in L.A. Um, you get great breakfast burritos, so like, you know, but um, can't, can't get a bacon, egg, and cheese, a good bacon, egg, and cheese. Tell them the story of when you did the wing-eating competition with uh, Kenley Jansen. Oh yeah, so um, at spring training, uh, Kenley um, Kenley kind of organized sponsors um, wing eating contests at Buffalo Wild Wings for like a bunch of the employees. Uh, so my first year with the Dodgers, I wasn't able to get in, but I was there for it. I was like a counter, and like, um, I mean, I love to eat, so I was all I was all about it. So I'm like, okay, I was talking talk the big game. I'm like, okay, next year I'm gonna get in. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to win, you know. And the guy who had won um, my first year was in my department, so he was like, okay, I'm gonna help train you and all this. So. This year, this this February or just January, February, I'm training like chugging water to expand my stomach, and then started like an eating program. The night before though, I ate 
my program was to eat like a bunch of cabbage and vegetables and it's supposed to pass through your system pretty quickly. Unfortunately, the next day it didn't happen. So I had all these vegetables kind of stuck in there. <laughs> so I felt like absolute crap. Ended up eating only the winner. The winners ate 69 wings. I ended up only being able to get through 36. Complete embarrassment. Only 36. <laughs> yeah, only 36. Exactly. Was, had, had to jump all over the wall and run away and puke in the middle of the street before it was over. It was. So what were the so what were the rules behind it? Did you get to pick your sauce or what? Yeah, what, what was, any, um, blue, was, any blue cheese? Any blue cheese or ranch or what? Um, yeah, it was forty five minutes. You could pick your sauce. I went. The strategy was to go two different sauces, so you didn't get tired of the one sauce. So I went, and you don't want anything too spicy. So I went with the don't mild. cross the sauces. Right. I went. With, I went with the mild, and then like a um, Asian zing to change it up a little bit. Oh, the key, the key is to go okay. for speed, right? You want to you yeah, put that as great yeah, in the first five minutes. Right, even though it's 45 minutes, yeah, the key is to just eat as many as you can, like the first 10 or 15. But I just, I I, I felt like absolute crap and put a, put out an embarrassing performance. I think if it happens next year and things are normal, maybe uh, I'll make a return and try to redeem myself because that, that, that was definitely my most embarrassing moment part of the Dodgers. Like, freaking, it was like, you know, the second week of spring training, Mookie Betts' competition, and I'm like, He's seeing me just like just embarrassment. I mean, he probably doesn't. Rem- There's no way he remembers me, but just like it was embarrassing for my department. I was uh, representing the baseball ops department, and I let let it run down. So maybe I'll redeem myself next year. We'll see. So we love to finish up with one final question that we ask all of our guests. We're gonna start with Sammy because Justin's take taking the first question a lot, like we said before. So Sammy, if you could talk to your 15 year old self, your Maccabee 15 year old self, I assume, because that's when you guys played, right? What kind of advice would you give him? Yeah, I would say. Definitely just, like, try to chase your dreams, whatever it be. Like, whether it's trying to play for as long as you can, uh, baseball, or go after trying to work in sports. Like, just, like, try to fulfill your dreams, basically. Short and sweet, baby. I love it. Uh, as for me, um, I think the best advice I would give my 15-year-old self would be uh, advice, luckily, that I was able to get uh, one time I was able to meet Vern Lundquist. Uh, I met him at the Army-Navy football game, actually the year before I ever even worked at West Point. Um, I had a chance to, to go into the booth with him and Gary Danielson before the game. And, you know, of course, when you're around people like that, you ask them for advice and any tips, you know, for someone who's trying to break into the industry. And the piece of advice that he gave me that sort of stuck with me ever since was the answer to every question in this industry, especially uh, the broadcast industry, is yes. Even if you don't know how to do it yet, the answer is yes. And you'll figure it out after the fact. And it was something that definitely stuck with me. And, you know, I've started calling sports. Like, I mean, they asked me to do like rugby and like other sports like that at West Point. I've never, I never watched rugby. I don't know rugby. I'm watching like rugby how-to videos on YouTube and reading rugby for dummies or whatever. But I said yes because you never know who's listening and who's watching at what time. So I think uh, that those words from Vern stuck with me uh, all these years later, and that's what I would tell my 15-year-old self. Very good example. Good answer. Justin's the yes man from uh, from from yes and Jim Carrey, yeah. <laughs> or you know, from yes man. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> no man. No man. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Really appreciate you guys coming. Thank on. you guys for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank Thanks you very much. Thanks for having us. A lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks, boys. Be well, guys. Stay safe.
Louisville Autoplex is a proud sponsor of the locker room. We carry all makes and models of trucks, and if we don't have what you want in our inventory, we'll find it for you. We sell and ship our trucks all around the world. Check us out, louisvilleautoplex.com, and ask for Jeff Bob, the biggest hockey dad out there. Shalom. Another great interview with Sammy and Justin. First Justin on, um, gotta love that name. <laughs> but um, we had Max. <laughs> um, obviously, Sammy, Max's cousin, um, two great baseball minds. It was just overall a great interview. I know Max, he's our baseball guru, so he had to help us out a little bit with this one. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I uh, thought it was nice to get some locker room blood on for the first time, uh, to have a little family. But um, also, I thought it was just it was interesting because obviously, Cap, I know we don't know too much about baseball, but it was cool to hear Justin's side from the booth and then Sammy's side from the analytics. But I do have to say that Sammy kind of fucked himself because now I'm going to be texting him or tweeting at him every single day when there's a Dodgers game. Sammy, give me the pick because I don't know what I'm doing when I gamble on baseball. So hopefully he can give me some good insight on the Dodgers games. But uh, Maxie, what do you think? No, it's always it's always great to talk to Sammy. That was that was actually the first time I met Justin, and Justin's a great guy. The cool thing with Justin is Kenny and him were talking. Like Kenny was helping him out, so it's kind of like to see a previous guest yeah. help uh, help other guests. We're making our own Jewish geography. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, Sammy, like my cousin, I know, I, I know, <laughs> I know, I know a lot about him. Biggest thing. For him, that I, I mean, blows my mind every time I see it and talk to him about it is the game when he pitched 16 innings, um, didn't let up a run, struck out 31 batters. You don't see that a lot from anyone in a, in a single game. So Is that good? Yeah, I was gonna, that's that's yes. pretty damn good. Yeah, that, <laughs> that probably will never – you'll never see that stat line ever. I was going to say that when we were talking about that, like he was so humble about it. Obviously, Maxie was uh, stroking him a little bit. But like, honestly, we honestly we all were. But like, I remember we were talking about his stats that year, I believe. And like his stats were nasty that season. He was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, it's nothing big. I'm like, dude, like you had an absolute year. Also, Cap, I thought it was interesting hearing their their Maccabee experience, which was like a little bit different than mine. But it was similar to what we did in Wichita Falls, like building with a family. Like they were living with these host families for a week or two weeks, however long the games yeah. are. Um, no, like living with was, a billet uh, family. Yeah, exactly. It's cool to hear their story about living with a billet, like a billet family when they were, I think, like 15 or 16 years old. I've also noticed how active that Justin is with everything going on in the world. Um, if you follow him on Instagram, I believe his Instagram is just J-M-R-O-C-K-E, Justin Rock. If you follow him, you definitely will stay up to date with everything going on in the world. Obviously, he restories everything, and he really stays up to date with his own opinions on what's going on in the world. And I really appreciate him doing that. And as far as Sammy's social media goes, you can follow him on Instagram at S E 42 at Sammy Elias at S E 42. He's not as much of a, as an Instagram guy, but um, you definitely uh, see his opinion on baseball and everything. I'm sure. But I think that wraps it up for this episode. You guys got any final thoughts? You said it good. Hopefully the locker room baseball nation loved this episode. Um, we did. Um, hopefully everybody else had a great weekend and hopefully they have a great week. Mazel tov. 